0: Welcome one and all to a little thing we like to call the Good Judgment
1: Podcast. The episode notes for this incredibly entertaining and informative episode you are about to consume are available at goodjudgepod.com. That's goodjudgepod.com.
0: Hello folks, welcome to the 5th and final episode of our DUI series on the Good Judgment podcast. I'm Wade Paget,
1: and I'm Tame Kell. Having been blessed by Judge Stutterd's participation in this series, I'm really going to miss his participation. But for today, welcome back,
2: Ben. Oh, you're not going to miss me because I'm not going anywhere. I'm you're stuck with me now. Excellent.
0: It's, it's great to be here. He is a SFOP. Super Super friend friend. Of the podcast. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. Super
2: friend. My, my ambitions i've finally arrived ah that's
0: awesome in this series we have discussed statutes, appellate cases, the warrant requirement the, con- the warrant requirement excuse me, and the concept of actual consent
1: yeah and we've even discussed whether jumping rope is a valid field sobriety test for DUI cases not but Honestly, yeah, not. But honestly, if you missed episodes one through four of this DUI series, you probably need to go back and listen to those episodes before you
2: listen to episode five.
1: Uh, Judge Stuttered, tell the folks what we're going to discuss
2: today. Today, we're going to discuss your ever-lengthening uh, ponytail. Yeah, check it out. That's pretty impressive. After five weeks, uh, whip, it's... Whip my head around? Yeah. Yeah. I whip my head around. You <laughs> <laughs> No, today... <laughs> No, no. no. Today we're going to discuss search warrants and how they can be used in DUI cases. I'm really going to miss this guy when we finish this series, Wade. Nice job, Judd Stutterd. Oh, thanks.
0: So we we really hope. You know what scares me, Tank? What's that? I didn't know there was somebody else that had our sense of humor. I know and, it's really frightening really that we scary. found him. And <laughs> thinks this stuff is interesting. <laughs> exactly. I, there can't and we'll be that listen many. To this when
1: it comes out.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we hope that you have enjoyed this discussion of DUI law throughout this series. Please let us know by shooting us an email at goodjudgepod.com.
1: No, no, goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Ooh, wait. yeah. I'm sorry, oh, yes.
0: goodjudgepod at gmail.com. But the yes. website
1: is at goodjudgepod.com.
0: You know, our our analysts, our our advisors had told us that we really needed to pump up the number of times we promoted that, and yeah. I got stuck on it.
1: Our market consultants, yeah.
0: Yeah. What were their names again? Frick uh, and frack, smurber <laughs> in a sense. So, in prior episodes within this series, we discussed that warrant requirement, and, Tane, real quick, the warrant requirement is? Uh, under the
1: Fourth Amendment, no search or seizure could be conducted without a search warrant.
0: Now, there's some well-defined exceptions to the warrant requirement, particularly the one widely known as consent, and we've talked about... Actual consent. actual consent. Judge, you want to talk, tell people what actual consent's about?
2: Actual consent means the person has voluntarily waived their rights and consented to a test under the Fourth Amendment. Uh, and that consent was obtained uh, freely and uh, voluntarily without threat or coercion. Didn't beat you up.
0: So today we're actually going to look at search warrants. You know, the things that would keep all of those other four series pretty much from having any legs at all right. if we just had search warrants. This is the single document that would eliminate a large amount of litigation in DUI cases because we wouldn't have to talk about ICW, implied consent warnings. We wouldn't have to talk about actual consent. We wouldn't have to talk about refusals. We wouldn't talk about, have to talk about in the te- independent testing rights because you have none if you don't take the state test. And any number of other related issues that we are forced to litigate In DUI cases.
1: Yeah, I mean, in fact, OCGA Section 40-5-67.1 specifically says, Nothing in this code section shall be deemed to preclude the acquisition or admission of evidence of a violation of Code Section 40-6-391 if obtained by voluntary consent or a search warrant as authorized by the
2: Constitution or laws of this state or the
1: United States.
2: Well, you know, that subsection was inserted into the code section, I think about 2005, after the Georgia Supreme Court had actually ruled that implied consent law trumped the ability of the state to get a search warrant in DUI cases. They said, "There, you can't get a search warrant in DUI cases. And so the uh, legislature went back and, and amended it's code section 67.1 and added in a new subsection D.1. Which just, they now call the, oh, yes, you can. The, oh, yes, subsection. you can. Watch us. <laughs> I've always thought that was interesting, too, though, because it also says we're not going to throw out any a test that's obtained by voluntary consent. Nobody's really thoroughly explored what that means. But, but what that means is you could just skip that whole implied consent business completely and just go up to a guy and say, hey, pal. Be a pal. Would you Would you just submit to a test for me? And if the guy says, well, sure, okay. <laughs> you seem like a nice guy. If there's actual consent, it doesn't matter whether you read the warning or not.
0: If anybody walked up to me and said, be a pal. Be
2: a pal. You know that's, <laughs> We're a, done. that's a clue. We're done.
0: We're done. <laughs> yeah. We're done. Does a, that negate actual no. consent? Yeah, that's a hard note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want now is a hard note. But back to the podcast. <laughs> the fact that officers can seek and obtain a search warrant for a blood test in a DUI case, even when that defendant has refused to submit to a state administered, state administered test, was made clear in the Williams case that we talked about from 2015. Right. There were some older cases, as you said, which said that if the defendant refused to consent to voluntarily submit a, to state administered testing, the officer could not then seek a warrant to obtain that defendant's blood, breath, or urine. It's amazing that you were around in an 05 and knew about the change.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, because, when, frankly, that decision never made sense to me. I was bopping my head and saying, there's nothing in the statute that says you can't do that. But they said, well, it impliedly... You're, it implied uh,
0: in the implied consent that it implied something implied else. Implied consent,
2: <laughs> impliedly eliminated the ability to go get a search warrant. This was intended to be the only means by which you can obtain...
0: And, uh, and so the fact that the legislature rewrote all of that, it is in your outline. Yes. and At
1: goodjudgepod.com. Let's all say it together. At goodjudgepod.com. That's awesome. This, our consultants are going to be so happy.
0: Search warrants in general. Just generally, Tane, a search warrant, um, it has to state facts. There right. has to be an affidavit, right? Yeah, right. Who can get a search warrant, Tane? Um, any
1: police officer peace officer law enforcement yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I wasn't trying to
0: be tricky it's, yeah. I, I hate it that every time now I ask you a question you think I'm trying to trick you I, I really am <laughs> I'm not immediately
1: suspect because I've been I've been burned so many times <laughs> exactly. I tell you, be a pal and tell us who <laughs> yeah. <be a> pal <laughs> tell me what <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, so the odd. affidavit means a sworn testimony for a law enforcement officer. Do not forget to place the officer under oath. Tane, I, I know you told me you didn't sign many search warrants in your career. Did you? Exactly zero. Just a few. I, I, we signed a bunch.
1: Yeah, when you told me when, the, the, when the, the officer procedure, I When the
0: officer walks in the room, I swear them in. Because I don't know what they're about to say, yeah. if they're going to say hello and how's your wife or whatever. I mean, or if they're going to go, hey, there's a dead body. I, I don't want to be confused. <laughs> I want them to raise their hand and be sworn.
1: Yeah, whether they're entering uh, your office or your living room at 2 in the morning. Which they've done.
0: Yeah. Um, It's important to remember that the judge only has a right to grant a search for the places within that judge's jurisdiction. So this is a great example. We've talked
1: about that before.
0: You would only have the right to grant a search warrant for something to be found within Henry County when you were on the bench, correct? Right. Is Henry County a part of a larger circuit within the um, Superior Court system? Uh, it was at one
2: time, but now it's now it's its own it's all, all it's on, on its own.
0: So, if in our case we were Columbia County, we're now a separate circuit. We, we were part of the Augusta Circuit for a long time. All the hospitals are in Richmond County. So the officers in Columbia County became used to, if they needed medical records, they would come to superior court judges because we were judges of the circuit, and the hospital they were looking for, where they were looking for uh, records, was within the circuit, not within the county, but within the circuit. We had to retrain them because they they were so used to doing that, they had to become familiar with the fact that that hospital is no longer in our circuit. So when the judge only has jurisdiction to search something within his or her Jurisdiction. jurisdiction. Then it's important that you not get confused. There are, are plenty of cases where search warrants have been thrown out because a judge granted um, a search warrant for something that, that actually was to be found in the circuit, particularly if you have a city that crosses county lines. Sure. Like the city of Atlanta. Right. And they went to a municipal judge. I don't remember the case right off the top of my head, maybe it was a magistrate from Fulton County, but they the thing was in Clayton or DeCab, you know, the airport, those kind of things. So just be aware that it has to be found within the county. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what probable cause really means? We throw that word around pretty easy. Can you talk a little bit about probable cause sort of in a general sense?
2: Sure. You might want to be standing by for the button because this, there's a quote from the case law that just comes up time after time. And it's really kind of important to use the magic words here. Reading
1: law during a podcast is not... Awesome.
2: But this will be. Yeah. This will be, yeah. So especially, you know. So case law says that determining whether probable cause exists to issue a search warrant is simply to make a practical, common sense decision, whether given all the circumstances set forth in the affidavit before the judge, including the veracity and basis of knowledge of persons supplying hearsay information, there's a fair probability that contraband or evidence of a crime will be found in a particular place. That's really it. That's it. It's, it's a common sense evaluation of does all this, uh, all the information provided to the judge issuing the warrant, uh, is the reason to believe that evidence of the, fine, of the uh, crime will be found at that location.
1: Folks, we'll be right back after this pause for station
0: identification. Folks, this is Wade and Tain. You're listening to the Good Judgment Podcast on the World Wide Web or wherever else you listen to these things. As always, you can find outlines for these podcast episodes as well as any supplemental materials on our website, which is goodjudgepod.com. We'd love to have your feedback about the podcast and we get that at our email, goodjudgepod at gmail.com. We're always looking for suggested podcast topics. Please feel free to submit your suggestions to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Operators are standing by. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to like us and follow us on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends. It's how we get to grow our listenership. Thanks. And now back to our studio audience. So, Tang, can the officer who is the affiant tell the the magistrate or the judge who's issuing the warrant about... What another officer told him? In other words, hearsay? Um, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. I
1: mean, it's, it's the totality of the circumstances that the, uh, that the judge is looking at under that circumstance. So,
0: yeah. So, the officer that's making the affidavit, can, can they give oral testimony above and beyond what is in the written affidavit?
1: They can, yeah. They absolutely can add to what's in the written affidavit,
0: sure. That's why you swear them in. That's, That's exactly right. Him. That's why you want them to be on it. As soon right. as they walk in. Yep. Um, there is some case law that says that, although it may be the better practice. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't do it.
1: Reading law during a podcast <laughs> is not awesome. Well, then stop doing it.
0: But the, sometimes the quote's better than anything I could say. I know. Go ahead. Although the better practice would be for the issuing magistrate to make a written notation of sworn oral testimony presented in support of each search warrant, it is well established that there is no requirement in the law of Georgia that requires, or that requires rather than suggest that a magistrate court warrant be recorded, that the warrant hearing or the warrant application hearing be recorded. Right. Likewise, nothing requires the magistrate to make some contemporaneous notation of the fact that he relied upon swor- sworn oral testimony in making the decision. Now, Tain, um, if you get a search warrant application by video.
1: Yes you must record it in that That one must be recorded. Absolutely. And, and there's, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you didn't take it in person, you can't say, I saw the person in my office on that day.
0: That makes so this sense. Gets, lets everybody see what you saw. Right. And you're
1: already
2: on video, so. Yeah, you're exactly. Requiring any extra You're pushing a
0: button. There were a whole bunch of, of, of friends of mine who were judges of other classes of court who had people say, well, if you issue the search warrant, you can't hear the trial. Well, that's just not the law. And, and 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 if you need to know why that's not the law, all you've got to do is consult our outline at Goodjudgepod.com. So DUI search warrants. Now, did you sign many of those, Ben?
2: No. Uh you know, and frankly, until Olavik and Elliot, there weren't that yeah, many of those. They were. Uh only once Elliot said that you could refuse a breath test uh, and it couldn't be used against you in court, that was really the point at which uh, some jurisdictions started uh, using search warrants in DUI cases. Uh, and not all uh, jurisdictions would do that. There were uh, magistrates who said, look, I just don't have time to get involved in every DUI case. There were uh, there are sheriffs that I have heard about around the state. I'm not talking about any particular sheriff, but I heard about sheriffs who said, look, uh, I am not gonna tie some guy down to a chair and have you stick a needle in his arm and have video on Channel 5 News of this guy thrashing around as he's strapped. I'm not gonna, that's not what happened happen in my department. So, uh, so, it's a fairly recent thing uh, and, some places did it, some places didn't.
0: A lot of people think that it got resolved post Elliot by the change in the law. I don't, I don't know that that resolved much, but I'm telling you, in the immediate aftermath of, of Elliot, the implied consent warning hadn't been fixed. Should you still read one yeah. that was obviously faulty? And so there there were a lot of search warrants in that time period. I that think that it has decreased significantly. On the four corners of that search warrant application, if it's about a DUI, Tane, tell the folks the things that that between the four corners it needs to show. Sure. Uh, So, number
1: one, it needs to show that the defendant was driving or in actual physical control of a moving vehicle. Number two, that it was in your county. Then you, obviously, has got to be established. Number three, that person was under the influence of, and and you need to actually list what intoxicant or intoxicants the person was allegedly uh, under the influence of, to the extent that that driver was a less safe driver.
0: Because you don't have a per se reading. That's the whole point of the exercise. Exactly. Um, The warrant affidavit should include the reasons for the traffic stop, Specific findings of the officer relating to any SFSTs, and the issues that are regularly included in a DUI report that you need to be expected to be included in your affidavit.
1: Well, and think about that. I mean, that that makes sense because it's just like any other warrant. You want to know what the probable cause was for the
2: uh, for the warrant to be issued. I do want to say that uh, the officer may well not be able to specify a particular drug. <laughs> Uh, because they don't know yet, and the person's not being forthcoming with any information. So if there's not an odor of alcohol, odor of marijuana, the officer may just simply have to say, here are the indicia. I see this person is under the influence of drugs, an unknown drug, and that should be sufficient to get. Them. Yeah. You're well, going to get and, the things and, like bloodshot eyes, fidgety, right.
1: sweating.
0: Which all goes back to this. the affidavit should also make sure that it includes the officer's training and experience. So that oh, way yeah. you can kind That's of say fine. that indicia is important to me because of my training and experience.
1: Yeah, good point. Good idea.
0: Um, wow. Y'all gave me a good point. That was very nice. <laughs> um I know it sounds obvious, but there should be some indicia in the affidavit that this person was actually the driver. That sounds, uh, duh. But there are times where we have a single car wreck and two people, and two people, maybe two people were involved. That we need to probably clarify, this guy was the driver, and here's why I think so. He was
1: sitting in the driver's seat the when driver's I came seat. to the, uh, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the seatbelt seat marks,
0: on. the Whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: I can't tell you how many times I had the Phantom Driver case. The officer sure. arrives. It's been an accident. Uh, the guy's wandering around out of the vehicle, and he says, "Well, my buddy was driving, and he left to go get help." And uh, uh, his name is Mac. Uh, I don't know his last name.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got a street. Everybody has a street name. Did you ever have a street name thing? Yes. Like, like sweetness Coolbreeze. or something. Cool <laughs> breeze. Yeah, cool breeze was my street name. Yeah. Um. Where the affidavit does not, you, you're going to get a lot of deference as the judge who issued the search warrant by the appellate judges. However, if the search warrant that you signed is just lacking, if it doesn't have some obvious things, you're going to get, I mean, your paper's going to get graded pretty harshly. So please make sure that you go through maybe this outline, maybe one that you develop, and, and make sure that those box are checked because you can't go back and say, Hey, I also learned this, that, and the other, because next thing you know, you become a witness in the case, and it's a whole big thing. Hmm. Um, Tane, you've talked about this a little bit. You've talked about the reasons why we might not see as many search warrants as we might yeah, imagine. Gr- grumpy judges. Grumpy, middle-of-the-night judges. Yeah, grumpy,
1: middle-of-the-night judges. <laughs> yeah. Because it's out of the norm, you know. Because it's not the way that that judges or or yeah, you know, well, officers. yeah, judges or officers are are used to seeing it or doing it. That may be—
0: and some uh, of them do don't know how to do the form. I mean, there's some officers that Absolutely. think that getting a search warrant is like tablets from the mount, right? And they just don't. Understand. <laughs> they need the Rosetta Stone there so yeah. they can translate it exactly. And
1: everything. Yeah, um, and also, I mean, there's it's obviously easier if you've got consent. That that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Um that's how they're trained to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. And then you've also got the overarching license suspension. Yeah, because well. if,
0: if they don't submit to your test, you suspend the license, but you may not win the DUI. You know, yeah. it, the, you know, I mean, that's a reality. Right. So, folks, by comparison, we hope that you have enjoyed this shorter episode that was a good judge podcast. That's fifth face and it. final. Let's
1: face it. They deserved a shorter yeah. episode. We deserved it.
0: Ben deserved a shorter ben episode. Ben deserved it. Everybody deserved it. Let's recap what we've learned today. A driver can refuse all testing and the officer can still seek a search warrant that authorizes a blood sample to be drawn from the defendant. Yeah.
1: There are also limitations placed on the judge. I mean, there must be sworn testimony. It must be by a law enforcement officer. That must be testimony that the thing or the person to be searched is found
2: within that judge's jurisdiction. A search warrant in a DUI case should establish that there's probable cause to believe that the defendant to be searched was the driver and that that driver was potentially under the influence of intoxicants.
0: As always, this episode can be found at the, your favorite website, goodjudgepod.com. Oh, wait, sorry. Ready? One, two. Goodjudgepod.com. Together with the citations for authority or, or to authority and for all the other different points of law that we've discussed. And folks, please follow the Good Judgment podcast
1: on your favorite platform and like us uh, because it helps other people find our work. Please, please feel free to reach out to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. We welcome your comments, your reviews, and certainly any ideas you have for future episodes. We want to sincerely thank Judge Ben Stuttered for his participation in this series of episodes on DUI Law. Guys, it's
2: been such a pleasure.
0: Do you think that... there are going to be people that have been in front of you who are going to be surprised that you have a sense of humor.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure they know that I have a sense of humor. I'm sure they know that. You were not because the they always yeah. laughed at my jokes when especially when I said laughed left time was or my assistant would hold up the cue cards like, right that was the judge's joke now it's time to laugh yeah yeah The well, applause judges, j- will applause. Come the the judge's applause.
1: jokes are always funny that's are right always funny well
0: seriously we have we have really appreciated your time effort and experience thank you it's yeah, been great
2: thanks. thanks so much so I'm Wade Paget. I'm former guest host Ben Stutter. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Tane Kell still retired and still happy thanks folks
0: thank you for listening to the good judgment podcast We try our best to give you actionable information, but in a format that does not make you want to hurt yourself.
1: Two thoughts. Some topics allow us the latitude to be a little bit more fun. Number two, if we failed you, we will try to do our best to do better in the next episode. We know that you have lots of
0: choices and we're honored that you chose us this time. We're kind of amazed to be totally honest. This podcast began as a project that was initially the brainchild of Doug Ashworth, the former director and executive director of ICJE.
1: Thanks and appreciation to Mr. Henneberger and the entire University of Georgia College of Law, my new part-time employer.
0: Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, who helped edit out some of our stupidity and awkwardness. But hey, nobody can get it off.
1: Thanks to our unsung hero, Kevin Holder. You are instrumental in our podcast being published and made available to the public. We should have been singing your praises all along, but we didn't, so...
0: Tain and I are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court Judges all across Georgia.
1: Wade and I are also grateful to the State Justice Institute who allow us to do this through their
0: generosity. You know that these are our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, SJI, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anyone else for that matter.
1: Contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com for any praise. Contact someone else with your complaints.
0: But seriously, we would love your feedback, both good and bad. Send any comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com.
1: Please visit our website, goodjudgepod.com for all our episode outlines and more details about our podcasts. Some of you send emails asking for copies of the outlines. Seriously, people, they're available 24-7, 365 at the website, goodjudgepod.com and we say that like 20 times during every broadcast. But seriously, you can upload or download or otherwise use them as you wish and on your schedule and at your convenience.
0: Once again, I'm Wade Padgett.
1: And as always, I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening.
0: Tane, I guess it's time to bang the gavel on this episode. Any last thoughts before we wrap this up? Did you know
1: Prince wrote the song Manic Monday that was ultimately performed by the Bengals?